the the interchange of my data with a retailer want to keep that we just want you the individual be, be the beneficiary so the cambridge analyticas the facebook's they get disintermediated Ooh, and do we have a podcast for you blockchain and cryptocurrency listeners out there i know we've got a lot of them that's the voice of eric ryan the ceo of imagine bc who wants you to take control of your own data and get paid for it what does the future of data monetization and security look like in the next 10 years? Find out and listen to this episode of The Real Years Podcast, your number one source for impact leaders harnessing capitalism to sustain the planet, people, and profits. And folks, before we begin, I just want to remind you, and I don't even know if I've even told you, but all of these interviews are recorded and then uploaded to our YouTube page. It's at Real Leaders Magazine. So if you're the type of person who wants to follow along and see what our guests look like, Go on YouTube. All you have to do is just search Realtors Magazine and hit that subscribe button, and you're going to be notified of all of our episodes that are released in a timely manner. All right, everyone, and thanks for listening. Now it's time to give it up for the real Eric Rind. Okay, we'll get started here. In five, four, three, two, one. And welcome, everyone, to the Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Alongside us today, and across the screen today, we have Eric Ryan, the CEO of Imagine BC. Eric, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me on, Kevin. All right. So, Eric, your organization, Imagine BC, uh, big topic we're going to talk about today is, is your personal data. So, in this day and age of, of surveillance capitalism with companies making money off of my personal data, your personal data, what are some of the ramifications when we allow companies uh, take that from us? Uh, I think the ramifications are very significant or we wouldn't have started Imagine BC in the first place. And um, I like how you said, let them do it because that's a big, big story for what we say, which is, you know, people right now, I think if they're, they're becoming aware of the fact that their data is being used and we started this about two years ago and two years ago, nobody even knew. This is going on. So, hey, at least they're starting to become aware. But now that it's like, how do you take on a Google or a Facebook? They're so big, you can't do it. And my my opinion is, of course you can. It's our data. We have complete control of it. We just need to band together. <laughs> if we do that, there's not much these companies could do to stop us. And that's why a guy like Jaron Lanier and, and what we're doing are saying, we're, what, you know, we're almost like a union or a new world union. Where in the old world the unions were about your labor and you know benefits and and uh, wages, and you had to to take on the the robber barons. You had to band together. This is no different. We have mm -hmm. to band together and say, enough's enough. You know we need fair value for our personal data, and we also, in addition to just personal data, we also at Imagine BC are very concerned about our intellectual property. It's not just, hey, you're using my email address, my name, my demographic information, mm -hmm. but the, the YouTube model where you, know, you give your intellectual property away for nothing and hope you get a check cut, that's also got to stop. Hmm. It's yeah. Well, it's interesting because uh, all of the, so I guess the, maybe the argument would be, Eric, is like the Facebooks, the Googles, the YouTubes, platforms for free. So the way they make yeah. the money is through advertising and the way they make money is say, hey, you can use our platform for free if you give us that data. So um, how, what, how is Imagine BC's uh, concept um, working to take on these big data collectors? Yeah, it's a big deal is that that word free. 
you know, it, you could try to retrain people to understand it really isn't for free. That they that the, the value of our data is far greater than the 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 services we're receiving in return for it. You know, you go back to 2000, and when Google put out Gmail, you can argue, hey, that was pretty cool. I mean, I'm old. You can see in my video, I'm pretty old. <laughs> so I live in a world where you used to pay 30 bucks a month for email. And then Google comes along and goes, here's free email. And, you know, the world goes, oh, cool, free email. Don't have to pay 30 bucks a month. But but did we know they were going to read every one of our emails <laughs> and categorize our data and use it for marketing against us? No, we did it. We're only learning that now. So, you know, you could try that, that line and say, hey, it's really not free. But imagine BC, we're going a little further and saying we're better than free. We understand that you gotta get the people under, you know, monetized early on, and then even bigger money will follow. So a YouTube provider, instead of putting their content up for free, and then hoping, as I said, for YouTube to send them a check based on activity on their site. In Imagine BC, we have a way to actually compensate their followers up front and then hope those followers buy subscriptions from that influencer. And when you do the net, the follower should still end out a few dollars ahead. But now we've got the influencer properly compensated for their intellectual property. And Kevin, that's really the key to the future. Hmm. In a world where if you look at a crystal ball and look forward, and as I look into my crystal ball, we all have our own. As I look into mine and you see you know, robotics replacing millions of manufacturing jobs, millions of transportation jobs, and you ask, what's going to replace that? Well, if we're also all giving our intellectual property away for nothing and not receiving fair value from it, then the answer is nothing's gonna replace it. And that really scares me because then displaced workers end up in the streets and they end up with pitchforks in their hands. And that's not a, a world I wanna see myself or even my, my grandchild living in. So you're not going to stop robotics. You're not going to stop that wave. So you better come up with the other side of it and just create new jobs. If you start getting these influencers like yourself, you know, properly compensated and making good value for the effort that you put in, then if you believe in capitalism the way I do, you and your others like you will probably say, hey, I can expand my business. But to do that, I need help. And it's that I need help that means you'll go out and start to hire. So instead of having monolithic, huge, too big to fail businesses, I'd rather much see millions of more smaller cottage businesses where maybe I have 10 employees providing unbelievable content to my consumer. Mm. So it really is very important. And the power behind that is where the personal data monetization comes in because I don't want to go into my pocket to pay for content because I have never had to do that before. But if I can find, excuse me, if I can find a new income stream, then hopefully I'm willing to share part of that new income stream with these influencers who are now offering their content for a price rather than for free. So mm. put new money to work rather than old money. Hence, better than free. Eric, help me out a little bit. Walk me through maybe like a, a customer journey. If, if you're calling me an influencer, and hopefully one day I will be, uh, except for that's something I'm not really trying to, <laughs> trying to aspire for. <laughs> but uh, uh, because of things like that, actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess walk me through. What type of compensation are we, are we talking about here? I mean, you know, I, I do this podcast. I have a, a, you know, a decent following. I understand who my audience is. So are you saying that I can 
in, in theory, monetize my own audience or am, or am I talking more about my own personal data? Exactly. I'm talking, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You monetizing your audience is your personal data as well, but, but for what we've just discussing here, yes, you should be monetizing your audience. You should not give this podcast away for nothing. But the model says you need to today. And I'm telling you the future you don't need to. If you, I don't know how many followers you have and you don't need to tell me, but let, let's say you had 10,000 followers, right? And you had 10,000 followers come into an ecosystem like the one Imagine BC is designing. And within that ecosystem, those 10,000 followers were able to use their personal data and other services that somebody like Imagine BC can provide to create a new revenue stream. And then you put, let's say, a $2 per month subscription price on your content. Hmm. Well, $2 a month is not going to kill anybody, especially if my data is creating far more than that. And if I can't get your content anyplace else for free and I really like what you're doing, which I'm sure your audience does, they'll start throwing $2 a month your way. That's not hmm. a lot of money to them, but now think about yourself. You now got 10000 know, a month or 20000 <laughs> a month. 20000 a month. Right. Yeah. Now you can think about, hey, expanding your capabilities, expanding your service. Right, definitely. Eric, Franchising why, it possibly. Why, why use a, a blockchain a decentralized system for something like that? Ah, <laughs> the, it, it, I get that question all the time. And the BC and Imagine BC is Imagine Blockchain. And, and, and the answer to that is that without blockchain technology, I wouldn't be having this interview with you today because there'd be no way for Imagine BC to say to its users who we call members that it is only you who control your personal information. Mm. Before blockchain distributed technology, data was stored in centralized databases and was subject to hacks just like we've experienced with Capital One and Equifax. Mm. And therefore, I couldn't say to my user, only you control it because that's not true. It'd be sitting in a centralized database. Any hacker could break through, but anybody even with my own company could break through. We would always know who you are. But with distributed technology like blockchain, holy cow, <laughs> now your private data sits in a node that only you control with your private key. So if you want to see an interesting discussion, it's a discussion between, between us and our lawyers as we're trying to write our terms and service and say, look, we don't even know who our members are. Right. And we don't want to know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> Only they have control. We create a market for them. They make the decisions on how often they want to be involved in that market. So, And that's the beginning and the end of blockchain. But you can see how critical it is. Without the technology, you'd have to create it. Thankfully, I didn't have to create it. There were platforms ready for us to use and just build on top of them. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so Eric, what, what is this going to do? You know, say this takes off this theory of I'm going to be the only person that's going to be able to access my own information. I'm going to be the only person because it's so encrypted. It goes through from one note to the next, and it's not stored in these data lakes where people can go in and scoop out you know my potential data from me. Um, it, what is this going to do uh, for the common media conglomerate or to uh, just any any business or retail source that are using these data lakes, that are buying data from other big time companies like a Google and Instagram. What's like, how is the landscape going to change in terms of their monetization, do you think? So, so the idea is that the, the interchange of my data with a retailer 
want to keep that. We just want you, the individual, be, be the beneficiary. So the Cambridge Analytica's, the Facebooks, they get disintermediated. I don't need to go, if I'm Dunkin' Donuts, I don't need to go to Facebook to find targeted information about people because I have that information available to me through an ecosystem like Imagine BC. And when I inject money in to reach out and target those individuals, the majority the vast majority of that money is going to the individual rather than to the intermediary. So the model is the same. We're just removing the third parties and removing the third parties. Then you're properly compensating the people whose data you're using. Mm, okay. And, and, you know, I, and I like to say my, my dad was, was an old madman. So he, Madison Avenue in the 1970s, right? So back in his day, and he was a media buyer, so it's kind of interesting what I'm doing right now. Yeah. So when he went to make decisions on how to advertise, you know, all he had was like Nielsen ratings from 3,000 boxes that sat across the country. So in that model, you could make the argument and be very fair that every individual didn't deserve to be monetized for their nation. The, the argument changes dramatically. It's our data. We should receive the vast amount of compensation for it. So imagine BC is trying to make that happen. So let's imagine this now. Let's imagine AI's, the singularity has, has now come and gone. Or artificial intelligence is replacing human capital. You, you mentioned a little bit about how uh, the labor force is changing. Uh, what is AI's role in blockchain technology? And do you see a, a potential compatibility in uh, convergence with the two? Oh, I think they, they sit by, side by side and they're not obviously not competitive technologies at all. Right. And, and uh, in fact, my, my AI partner is a company out in the West Coast called We Are AI and their CEO, John Vigoro and I, we laugh all the time because he says, Eric, if you'd known me before you named the company, you would have named the company Imagine AI, <laughs> not Imagine BC. Because in fact, AI technology and you know, AI ML is far more important on the day-to-day -day operations that we're doing. We're looking to employ the same technologies, same solutions, same use cases that Google and Facebook does, but rather at the expense of the individual, we're doing it on behalf of the individual. So we like to say we're democratizing that technology. No single individual is ever going to figure out how to use AI ML for their own personal benefit. But a mediator of information like Magic BC says, together, we can use that information for your benefit. And then blockchain allows you to make the controlled decisions over do you want the benefit or not? Is it worth the intrusion on your privacy for a third party to come in? It's your decision, nobody else's. Mm. So they work absolutely together. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because uh, I, at least I see AI working with data companies in terms of like an avatar being able to go to a individual company and say, hey, this is what my client Kevin has consented to. Uh, this is the only type of data I would like to give away, my birth date or my height, my interest, because we're always changing as people. The data that was left today is not who you are tomorrow. It does not def define you. Um, as much as we might oh, think it does. <laughs> you're absolutely right. And, and your approach is a similar, just similar but slightly different, where you're saying use AI to say this is what you can use about me. And we're saying put your data in about yourself, let that data go out, and AI and ML will find what we think are good matches for your data. And then you make the decision of whether you want to be monetized and release that data. 
So the good matches are like ethical companies, uh, fiduciary responsibilities, localized servers, and things like that. Or correct, and it could be something like you're, you know, you're a pizza lover who lives in a certain jurisdiction, right? And you walk past a pizza place every day, and you never bother to go in. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, within the ecosystem, that pizzeria is a member. Hey, here's an opportunity, right? That neither side, the pizzeria wants to get you through the doors. You like pizza. Right. So, hey, now you let the pizzeria know, hey, here's a member who is probably walks by your place 10 times a day. Maybe you want to get a customized offer out to them. You do. And then the member decides whether they take it up. Maybe they heard bad things about that pizzeria. You never know about that. But you at least allow the pizzeria to reach out on that targeted basis. But ultimately, it's not the pizzeria pulling you in using AIML. It's getting them the opportunity. But still you, Kevin, making the decision whether you want to do it or not. And that's what's really important. The decision always has to be left to us. So the the pizza place, they would would they be paying me or would your service be paying me? And then the they would pizza be place you. would be paying you. So okay. pizza place. every so every dollar a third party injects into Imagine BC, ninety cents of that dollar gets distributed back into our community. Okay. Imagine BC always takes a flat ten percent for making the market between buyers and sellers, but after that, ninety cents gets distributed out or ends up in the hands of a charitable organization or social cause. Okay, got it. So going back to my example with my 10,000 followers, $2 for that, um, I'd be getting $18,000 uh, yes. from, from it. Okay, instead of 20. Okay. That's right. I'm there. That's, I, think, I feel like that's way more fair than what it would be right now, too. Right. Well, and, and, you know, we, as, we were just, as we were trying to figure out the economy and the distribution of funds on that scale, you could look at it two ways. You could say, oh, I just took a 10% haircut. Or you could say, no, I didn't. When we looked at the research and we found that the spectrum of intellectual property holders, that spectrum is that the IP holder, the creator, the content provider, typically, if they can even get their stuff to market, right, which is a big if if they can they only earn four to 13 cents per dollar Hmm. so we're turning around saying you're going to earn 70 to 90 cents per dollar (laughs) you're not taking a haircut you're seeing funds you've never seen before in in this world eric uh where people are taking control of their own uh, private data taking control of their own identification um, what does the world look like in you know twenty years? Like I could imagine, you know, the average person, whether you're in a marginalized community or you're in you know Silicon Valley, I can imagine people just being able to like the gig economy, just being able to make money on the side by just giving away their personal information. How do you see this uh, impacting society? I really like how the world looks in 20 years to come with that ecosystem like the one Imagine BC is uh, designing because now we can go back and talk about those technologies I spoke about earlier, robotic manufacturing and, and autonomous transportation. Think of them in a positive aspect because now imagine a world where take a woman in sub-equatorial Africa who wants to bring a dress to market. Today, her chance of getting that dress to market are zero. And even if she did, what's the likelihood she'll be able to hold on to the money? Who knows? Government can come in and take it. But now you combine an, a, a world where I'm in control of my personal data. We've disintermediated third parties, but we have access to robotic manufacturing and autonomous transport. What do those two things do? That dress is delivered to the doorstep of the woman in Iowa, and neither party even has to know one another. 
It's just the trust we had between the two of us that I'm going to get this garment delivered on time to my specifications. That's world. I, I don't want to say it's world changing because it's it's world reverting, <laughs> right? So in history, if you went back 1,200 years, let's get this uh, system broken. I've got the B-Day Center. Okay, policy. Uh, how what is the government's role in this uh, blockchain uh, adoption process? And and you see people with and uh, in, in lawmakers copying the EU's GDPR. Um, uh, uh, again playing a fiduciary role of what you can and cannot collect what is okay and what is not what is the government's role in this in this system eric yeah i think a government event essentially has two roles and one they don't have and the one they don't have may be as important as the ones they do so first first right now what they're doing i think it's great because it's the government who's finally helping create awareness of how important it is that we gain control gain back control of our personal information they should not be doing that. They should not be saying things like, oh, your data is worth $25 a month. It's not. It's worth way more than that. Mm. Only a free market will, will identify that. And that's not going to happen tomorrow. It will take a number of years. But let that free market dictate it because if you believe somebody like Jaron Lanier, it's $20,000 a year. So I don't want to be pigeonholed into $25 a month from the government if my data can really be worth as much as $20,000. And I think it falls somewhere in the middle of that, but much closer to Jaron's number than the government's number. So that they shouldn't be doing. They shouldn't be figuring out the value of it. Yes, it's important for you to control it. Yes, it's important for you to be monetized it. And then let the market go ahead and make the decisions. Now, the next role of the government, this is long term. And, and I just read that Brazil finally became the first country to put a child's birth certificate, essentially, on the blockchain. That's the beginning of true privacy. You and I, Kevin, we're never getting our privacy back. Our data is out there. It's never coming back. Let's not kid ourselves. But if you build integrated systems with the government such that my birth certificate's on there, a driver's license if I happen to need one in the future, but anything that says I am who I am always goes on the blockchain and my parents control it until I'm, you know, I've reached maturity and then I take over my identity, now you're talking. But of course, that's not going to happen without you know, cooperation with government and leadership from the government. Now, I think they should do that. That's not going to happen tomorrow, and it's going to take many, many years. But that's the real future of, of data privacy. When government and the individual work together to ensure that my identity is secure. Yeah, Eric, and the one thing I will say with that as well is I'm interested to see how politicians react to, you have big oil companies, you have big data companies, uh, how how long that's going to take to get past. Uh, and, and, yeah. and the, you know, <laughs> we for, have control the, over that too. We have to remember we're, we're the, we are the government and they work for us, exactly. but the, the influence of the big data companies, Facebook and Google and the money they could swing, it is scary, but... Let's remember, it is we the people. Yeah, absolutely. And so from a bigger, uh, broad, broader scheme of things, um, you mentioned reverdence uh, and uh, regression. We, we are taking back our data, that more localization. Uh, and so how do you see this evolving? Um, to me, and I agree with that, is I believe blockchain technology is like fundamentally revolutionary. I've been saying that it's it. it, it allows us so much more freedom of our own individual money, our own individual um, uh, identity, our own individual information. Uh, so I guess the question I have for you is, is this 
uh, is your technology, is the the ability to um, take control of your own data. Um, do you see that being like a segue? I know you were mentioning like bringing a, a first world access to a third world market. Do you see this being a segue for cryptocurrency? Yes. And, and it's a, imagine BC is not a crypto play. We use blockchain Correct. technology for right. security of information. But that's only because right now you can't spend crypto anyplace. It's difficult. Yes, there are some, but it's not a free-flowing currency. I can't walk down the street and just use Bitcoin or, that, or Ethereum or you know, any of the other they're all coins to make purchases. So for something like Imagine BC, it was, it was short-sighted for us to depend on a coin to create a new marketplace of that. Getting people to understand what a wallet is, how to control a wallet, what a key is, just about first your personal data, and then of course you can add currency to that once you have a stable, stable coin that is accessible everywhere. Eric, I'm excited about even people who don't have identity yet and how this can impact refugees or people moving to a new country who can't establish a bank loan because they don't have an identity. Have Correct. you had any conversations with uh, organizations or people that are in these communities that need to gain an identity before they can establish a, something as simple as a loan? One thing that we bring to the table is the ability to almost bank the unbanked. Mm. So we're very excited about that. Because it said, holy cow, we can, you know, kind of com- com- complete com- commercial transaction to get money to people who are unbanked. It was like it opened a whole new world for us because we were, we were concerned about it. We just didn't want to be, you know, we're this open thing and we want to be there for everybody, but except if you, were not, if you don't have a bank account. You mentioned uh, this is going to take a, a, a big initiative from leaders, not only in the government, but around, around the world. It's going to take a lot of effort. Um, and it's going to take a lot of integrity along the way. So Eric Ryan, you know, as the CEO of, uh, you know, uh, Impact or God, Jesus Christ, Imagine BC, uh, <laughs> what would you say your definition of a real leader is? Yeah, uh, it's pretty straightforward for us. We, we, in our sense, as a leader, imagine BC, the two single most important traits are listen, right? You have to listen to your community. You have to listen to your members. Don't tell them what the solutions are. Listen and figure out how they fit. Solutions that become possible because greed is second to the service that we're trying to provide. There's so much money flowing around in the financial system. It's easy to share that with everybody and still make a fair wage for yourself. Mm. So you just have to put greed to the back door. Well, Eric, I appreciate your time here. Uh, Imagine BC being fundamentally revolutionary uh, for the rest of the world. Take control of your own data, people. Uh, people, uh, Companies are profiting off of it, and Imagine BC wants to help that out. Uh, For Eric Ryan, I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, listen to the people, and always, folks, keep it real. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Kevin.